you know, Christmas is just around the corner. And uh, talking about Christmas, I was just asking my sister, uh, what did we do for Christmas last year? And then we stared at each other for a long time. And we realized, actually, I don't know what we did for Christmas last year. And then I decided to ask a couple of friends from church. I said, what did we do for Christmas last year? And then they were trying to guess and then someone started to describe, you know, a particular event and then suddenly someone said, wait a minute, that's 2019. That's not 2020. And that's when we realised that 2020 Christmas passed by almost as a blur. All right? Now, the reason I'm sharing this is as we talk about the Christmas service that is coming up, let's not let 2021 Christmas celebration pass by as another blur. Okay, and instead, one thing that we are doing is we hope to gather everybody uh, to church on the 25th of December, alright? It's a Saturday and there are two services, alright? Uh, one is at 9am uh, and some of you, you might realise if you were very attentive to the previous announcement, you would realise there's a slight change in time, okay? So the first service is at 9am and the second one is at 11am. And really, I think we want to invite as many of you to come and be and celebrate Christmas together, alright? So the QR code is on the screen. You can scan. Seats are limited. And again, let's not let 2021 Christmas pass by as just another blur. You know, talking about Christmas as we talk about this series title, Still Celebrating. I find that as I grew up, the way I celebrated Christmas has changed a bit, somewhat. And some of you, you might relate to that. When I was a kid, one of the things that I really looked forward to during the Christmas celebration was setting up the Christmas tree, wrapping gifts for different people and bringing them to church. Now, I come from Penang. It's, at that time, it was a smaller size. We could do that. Uh, I think in Puchong, uh, if you expect your leaders to wrap gifts for you, wow, that's going to be tough. If Pastor Tim wraps gifts, that's like what? Almost close to a thousand gifts that he has to wrap, all right? Uh, now, so the way I find that, uh, even for me, I celebrated, started to change a bit. Right now, we are, instead of choosing gifts, we are choosing restaurants. Uh, instead of setting up Christmas tree, I'm trying to buy a Christmas festive kind of a clothing. I find that the way I've celebrated has changed. Nonetheless, even despite this change, I think there should still be a sense of celebration within all of us. Not because it's a festive, but simply because Christmas reminds us that Jesus came and He dwelt with us. And I think Joel last week, he covered that a bit, right? God with us. And I find that God being with us has many implications, right? And I think today, one of it is really this this thing called abundant life. When God came, He came to give us abundant life. And it really stems from this verse, John 10, 10, which I'm going to read for all of us. And then after that, I'm going to pray and then we are going to dive into the Word today. So it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, again, re-emphasizing that whole thought of Jesus coming to us, dwelling with us, right? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God, even as I uh, preach today, really what a humbling experience it is. And I ask ultimately, it is not my words that speak forth, but really Holy Spirit, you speak through me. That every heart, every ear that tunes in, either online or physically, will be powerfully ministered by you. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, talking about this abundantly, uh, it really comes from this word, perisos, right? Which really has the meaning of greater, has the meaning of advantage, an advantageous kind of a life, a greater kind of a life. And honestly, 
if you're like me, I love John 10, 10. Why? Wow, the idea that there's going to be peri sauce in my finance. Uh, there's going to be peri sauce in my, my health, my relationships. You know, actually, if someone is just tuning in right now, you may think I'm giving a Nando's ad, talking about peri-peri sauce, right, and whatnot. But the idea of I'm going to have advantages in all these different aspects is a very attractive thought. But I find that after a while, what happens is when we go down that train of thought, honestly, everything starts to become about us. My finance, my health, my relationships. Everything becomes about us. Uh, so the whole online season really introduce online calling, right? Uh, and the MCUN. One of the times when I was calling my girlfriend online, what happened was I shared a joke and I love to make my girlfriend laugh, okay? Uh, you know, her life is stressful and all that. So if I can make her laugh, I'm happy, right? So there was once I shared a joke online and then she giggled. And I thought, wow, okay, must be a funny joke. So I continued sharing. And then the next sentence, she didn't respond. I was like, Okay, that's odd, right? If you laugh at this, you should have laughed at this. And I said, uh, babe. And then she said, hey, sorry, what were you saying? Apparently, she was laughing at a social media post, right? Not at me. But I find that uh, we often have a way to make everything about us, all right? But I think when we look at this verse, is it really about us? See, the danger is when we start thinking that way, we may get so caught up chasing after abundant life but really missing out what John was trying to say in this text. Uh, because John, he, he made it very clear, his purpose for writing. In fact, if you go to John 20, he says this, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in his book. So we can see that John, he did not write everything, but instead he says, but these are written so that, so he writes the things with a specific purpose. He says, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. That is the reason he writes his text. So that we may believe. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. In fact, I recently found out that in the New Testament text, so it was originally written in Greek. Uh, and in the translation to English, sometimes there are certain tenses of a verb that is not carried across in that translation. One of it is actually the present continuous tense uh, about going on to do something, that kind of a tense. And in fact, this text actually has that kind of a tense in its original language. So if I were to add on that little tense, now it doesn't change the meaning, but it really enhances the depth of this sentence. It's basically, it's trying to say this. These are written so that you may go on believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by going on believing, it's not just a one-time belief. It's not just a belief that I have 20 years ago, 30 years ago, no. It's about a going on kind of a belief. Uh, that going on believing, you may go on having life in His name. Now, when we look at this, now this makes sense a bit more. Why? As we talk about this whole idea about abundant life, if we think that, wow, abundant life just means prosperity, means good health and all that. Now, of course, maybe that is part of it. But really, John, when he writes it, he was really one of the last, in fact, the last apostle. All his friends have really been murdered, assassinated and whatnot. He has seen many Christians die. He has seen many Christians being murdered, assassinated, outcasted, mistreated. Uh, really sometimes even living as a second class in society. And when we try to look at that and we 
we try to understand abundant life through prosperity and all that. Now, there's a little bit of a mismatch there. But when we understand why exactly John wrote it, aha, now could it be that this abundant life that John is talking about is something else, is something different. And really when we read John 10.10 10 again, now it becomes very unfair really if we just stop there because we would have missed the point of John's writing. See, John 10.10 was a built up really to verse 11 because verse 11, John was building up to this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The abundance life, the abundant life that John writes in his text has to be understood in the context of this good shepherd. And there's really a little bit of a backdrop behind this phrase thief and this phrase good shepherd. You see, in John 9, the chapter before, there was quite a drama going on. Some of you may be familiar with that text. There was this blind man, blind since birth, all right? And at that time, there was a belief that if you know, you have sickness and all that, sometimes it's attributed to sin. And that's why when they saw this man who was born blind, immediately Jesus' disciples were saying, is this guy blind because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? And Jesus said, no, no, no. And Jesus healed him. And then what happened was because this man was blind, right? He could not see Jesus at the time. And when he recovered his sight, Jesus was gone and he went to the Pharisees, the religious leaders at the time, and instead of celebrating with him, what did the religious leaders do? The religious leaders really, first of all, they tried to deny his healing. They said, no, this can't be the blind man. They didn't believe him until they brought his parents, right? And even after that, they were trying to say, no, this Jesus did not heal you. And in fact, the whole mockery and all that got worse and worse starting to mock him for saying, oh, why you believe in this Jesus? Are ah, you, how come you are a disciple of Jesus and all that? And eventually it extended to this next verse that says, they answered, so they, the religious leaders said, you were born in utter sin. Imagine this, this blind man who just recovered his sight, potentially growing up, he has been told that he was a sinner, that's why he's blind, his parents is a sinner and all that. And finally, he recovers his sight and what do the religious leaders do? You were born in utter sin. Imagine that. And then they say, would you teach us? And they cast him out. Now, why is this such a significant thing? Because at that moment, Jesus came in. Jesus came in, he talked to the blind man and that's when he introduced this whole idea of thieves. Thieves here actually refer to the religious leaders and the good shepherd here refers to Jesus. I began thinking to myself, why is this such a crucial thing for Jesus to step in. And I find that uh, a lot of times our experiences may sometimes shape how we perceive God to be. For instance, you know, I, I knew of a teen uh, who during one of the discipleship sessions, right? So this teen grew up in a Christian home and the parents had many rules, okay? Sort of like a, sounds like a stereotypical Asian family, right? A lot of house rules and all that. So this thing grew up experiencing that and therefore during the discipleship session, when asked, how would you describe God? You know what the teen said? God is someone with a lot of rules to control us. Interesting, right? 
I find it fascinating how the experience that, that this teen had growing up shaped how they came to understand God. And I find maybe for a lot of us also, our past experiences, maybe with Christian leaders, maybe with Christian friends, maybe with the Christian environment, sometimes that also shapes how we come to know God. And that's why it became so important for Jesus to come in at this very moment to say, I'm not like that. I'm not like the thieves that you have been so familiar with. Instead, I am the good shepherd. How does this tie into abundant life? Because then, to really understand the abundant life that perhaps John is talking about, we need to first understand the character of this good shepherd. And really for the next part of my sermon, uh, really that was really just an intro, sort of, okay? Uh, we are going to unpack really the character of this good shepherd that we now have. Therefore, Jesus continues to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand. Now, so now he's contrasting. Again, two people, a hired hand and a shepherd. He who is a hired hand, not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, right? And leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Reading this, the first thing we need to understand, the character of the good shepherd is this. The good shepherd cares for us because we are his. You know, talking about God caring for us, uh, one of the teens that I was discipling, okay, he's 14, and in the one-to-one process, so for all of you who are familiar with our church discipleship process, one of the things we do is one-to-one. Right? And at the end of the one-to-one, there's this chapter, there's this segment, in fact, that talks about sharing your testimony. And therefore, I invited the team, oh, do you have any testimony to share? I've got to be very honest, whenever I ask that, my fingers are crossed, okay? I wish I had more faith, but sometimes I also feel that the team say, nothing, ah. all right? However, the team started sharing. And the team shared a bit. And then, very oddly, the team suddenly went audio silent could not hear him anymore. But the team continued to type, okay? Now, sometimes leading teens, I, I experience a lot of odd things, okay? So th- this is pretty normal already for me. So, okay, sure. If you want to respond through text, let's do it. So he began typing out. Uh, and I've asked his permission to, to share this, right? He talked about four problems that he was facing. Number one, he talked about how he was actually afraid of the dark. So much so that when he sleeps, he needs the lights on. Now, some of you, maybe you hear that, okay? Maybe you're 30, 40, 50, and you're like, scared of the dark. Psh, what's that? Such a kiddish thing. But for them, it's their world. We need to understand that. So he was afraid of the dark. Second, he talked about academic struggles. And, and one of his concerns was not being able to enter high school at the appropriate year. For those of you who are familiar with the Malaysian education system, you would know that for those who are not academically proficient enough. There's this particular year that they got to do which causes them to delay from their peers. So he was really concerned that he would enter into that remove year. Third thing, he talked about how uh, he had a rough start with his parents. It was tough at the start when he was younger and using his words, right, he said that the words that they have shared in the past, some of it were really like knives that poke my heart. Kid you not, I have that text. And the fourth thing he said was, maybe the culmination of all of that was, he became very insecure. So much so, and I'm, I'm glad that he realized this. 
He said, whenever I talk to people, I cannot look them in the eye. That was his four problems. And then he said this, he said, but I seek God for help. After sharing each problem, he shared a little statement, but I seek God for help. And you know, followed with that statement, he said, and God help me. He now is no longer afraid to sleep in the dark. He managed to enter into a good high school, thankfully through connections and whatnot. His relationship now is getting mended. And most importantly, he is becoming more and more confident. You know, this 14-year-old teen, perhaps, corrupts that. The good shepherd who takes care of him. I think really the challenge for all of us, really, to look at abundant life is this. Abundant life then, in this context, could be to live being secured, knowing that our good shepherd takes care of us because we are his. And again, going back to the past experience, I have to admit that maybe for some of us, especially Christians who have been Christian, quote-unquote, for a long while, sometimes we pray and prayers are not answered. Sometimes we trust God and things doesn't seem to work out. And then this statement gets really, really challenging for us to believe. But again, John's challenge for us is, would we still go on believing that we have a good shepherd that cares for us, regardless what? That's the first one. And then John continues to write what Jesus says. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The second characteristic about this good shepherd is this. The good shepherd is personal to us because he is a personal God. You will hear a lot of stories of teens, right? That's my world. Uh, another teen that I was journeying with, there was once he had a little uh, tension at home, right? Any, any typical tension that we might be familiar with. And then that got him really upset and left the house to walk around his neighborhood. And while walking, he started complaining to God. God, how come I serve you and this kind of thing still happen? He was complaining, walking, 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 walking and all that. And then suddenly he came across a bench. And on that bench, there was a box of biscuits. Now this teen loves food. Alright, I mean which teen doesn't, right? This teen loves food. And when he saw the box of biscuit, he approached that box of biscuit and then he sat beside it. And then he asked God, God, is this your way of cheering me up? I kid you not, he opened up the biscuit and he started eating. Praise the Lord, he did not get food poisoning the next day, alright? But, right after that, he immediately came back home, texted me at 11 plus p.m. So I did not know all this has happened. And I said, Jason, we need to talk. My flesh self, right, was saying, oh, bro, tomorrow, please, it's 11. I said, sure, sure, let's call, let's call. And then with great excitement, he begins to describe this story to me. You know, I won't be so confident to say, wow, God put that biscuit there for him. Of course, I won't. But one thing I can see from that little instance is this. This teen, as young as he was, he experienced that personal relationship with God, where he just pours out his heart to God and God in his own special way comforts him. And likewise, abundant life in this context could be this. An abundant life is to live having a personal relationship with God. And of course, the challenge then here is maybe for some of us, we have had bad experiences. Bad experiences, maybe with the relationships that we have with 
with sometimes other Christians. Sometimes that might shape how we, we, we react. Sometimes, growing up, we may be taught that Christian living is all about serving. It's all about serving, serving, giving, 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 and all that. And really, I think the challenge in response to this is this. Would we take that initiative to have that personal relationship with God? Because I trust that when we do just like this thing, God is able to show up in our very spot. And the last part, maybe you hear all this and you're like, Jason, but okay, I've got a personal relationship with God. I've, I feel that He takes care of me and whatnot. Is there anything else? And Jesus continues with this. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. The last characteristic I want to point out regarding this good shepherd is this. The good shepherd really desires for all to be safe, as many as possible. You know, just recently, one of my leaders was sharing with me this story, how uh, she, you know, it's just any usual casual day. And she suddenly had this heart nudging to get in touch with a friend that she has not contacted for, for I think a couple of years perhaps. I think all of us, we have friends like that, right? Friends that we have lost contact with for a while. And for some reason, this leader just felt that heart nudging to get in touch with her again. So she decided to do it. Lo and behold, at the moment that she texted that, that friend of hers, it turns out that it was that friend's really lower season of her life. Her values were a mess. Her relationships was a disaster. Everything that should work out really wasn't work out for the, working out for this friend. And in that conversation, eventually the leader popped this statement. She said, you know, in this kind of situation, you have to come to God. You have to. And maybe for a start, you can come to God by coming to church, God's people. Long story short, that friend joined life group. And in that life group, and all this really happened recently, maybe just past two months or so. And this friend in the life group said, uh, Keep in mind, this, this friend wasn't like having a very close relationship with God and whatnot. But even she admits that God somehow connected her with this friend at the right time. When I look at instances like that, I am reminded that we have a good shepherd that really desires for all to be safe. But then what does abundant life look like then in this context? Perhaps abundant life is to live being a part of his mission to also share the same heartbeat that a good shepherd has for the people around us. You know, there was a teen, and I think this really is the ending story as we close to 12 p.m. There was a teen that we were trying to reach out. And um, it was tough to reach out to this teen because this teen loves the game. And apparently, the best time to game for this teen was past midnight Saturday all the way until 4 or 5 a.m. If you sleep at 4 or 5 a.m. on Saturday, it's very unlikely you're going to wake up for service the next day. Let me be very honest, all right? And what more, this thing sleeps that late because of gaming, okay? But nonetheless, his friend really was connected to me through, through another of our team. And the team was saying, can we really try to reach this person? I said, let's try. And I, I talked to this this friend, right? And say, okay, if you sleep 4, 5 a.m., that means 10 p.m., 10.30 p.m. Saturday night should be very early for you. I say, yeah, yeah, kind of. I say, okay, let's do this. Every Saturday night at 10 p.m., 
let's call. And he said, okay, I gathered a few more. Uh, and we did that. We did for, that for a week, for two. And at the start, I got to be very honest, it was so tough. Because his friend, maybe because introverted and whatnot, would close the camp, stay muted, just, just respond to chat. And sometimes it was really tiring for me. But we kept on persisting. You know, one fine day, he suddenly said, you know what, tonight, I'm not going to play my game. I'm going to sleep early. And I'm going to come to church tomorrow. And then he came once. From one time, he came a second time. And then he came a third time. And eventually, he suddenly asked this question. He said, Jason, I see the drum set on stage. Uh, can I play the drum set, right? I see there's a band and all that. I said, wow, sure, bro. And then I said, but you know what? We call that worship, right? My strongest encouragement to everyone who wants to serve in the worship thing is this. First, know who you are worshipping. Would you be open to get to know this God more like, through discipleship? And guess what? This teen who used to play game, did not want to come to service and all that, now he suddenly says, yes, I don't mind. And we started our one-to-one. And from one-to-one, this more introverted teen, Sunny was open to life group. I wish I can share the picture. I, it's just that it's not a very nice picture of me, okay? Uh, but in the group, right, he was laughing. He was so happy. Remember the teen that invited him? Recently, I received a text from the teen and the teen said, Jason, thank you so much for reaching out to this guy. He just told me he really loves teens here. I have to be very honest. Saturday night at 10 p.m. is really not the best time. It's really not the most enjoyable time. I got to go Rimbayu. We got to engage teens. After that, I got to drop the leaders back. And then after that, we have that call, right? It's not the most glamorous. Uh, of course, I, I don't get OT uh, financially, right? From this, right? I don't, right? But I got to say, Genuinely from my heart, I do feel that I am living a perisauce kind of a life. Why? The thought of knowing and realizing that I got to play a part in this teen's story for eternity. That's crazy. And I think that's something that I want to invite all of us to be part of also. And as we end, really, why abundant life. Why can we still celebrate this abundant life? Not because of our circumstances, not because we are doing well financially or doing well in our health and whatnot, but simply because we have this good shepherd that takes care of us. Let me end with one last story that actually I really wasn't planning to share, but I think it might sum it up. Uh, so, so some of you, you may know that I, I'm working full-time and all that and I love thoroughly love what I do, right? I've got great bosses, Pastor Tim, Pastor Steven, I've got great colleagues. Uh, but there was a season where I think financially I was a bit tight. Not because church did not bless me or whatnot, but simply because that month so many people got birthday, alright? So I was a bit tight and whatnot. And I remember, uh, and two of the people that had birthday were my siblings. You know, siblings is just, oh my gosh, emptying the pockets and whatnot. And I remember reaching the end of the month. There were just two more days still I'll get my, my salary. Yay! And then, uh, I was really, really down to pretty low. And of course, I set aside food budget. So I was trying to just spend within that. And 
I was with my sister at the time and I was semi-complaining. I was saying, oh, you know, sometimes I really serve God. Uh, so difficult, uh, right? So difficult. I, I have to be very honest. I said that to my sister and my sister was mm, just listening, just listening. But at that moment, I decided to realign myself and say, okay, okay, no, Jason, that's wrong, that's wrong. Ultimately, it's a joy serving the Lord, right? And God takes care of me. I remember telling myself that again and again. God will take care of me. God will take care of me. So the plan was, for the next two days, I'm going to go to the economy rise and get the cheapest possible combo. That was my plan, okay? But it turns out the next day, someone from my life group ordered a very nice Japanese meal for me. Just nice. It could have been any other day, but so happened it was that day that they bought for me. It was a surprise. I completely did not know until it came. And then he texted, oh, we got this for you. You know, when I look at instances like that, I realize that I have a good shepherd. I have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd. A good shepherd that takes care of us. He does not just take care of us from afar. He's personal to us. That moment that I had me complaining and all that, what was that? That was me being just very honest, vulnerable and personal. God is a personal God. And yet in the process of sharing his heartbeat for the lost, I had a good shepherd that took care of me. And I want to encourage all of us as we step into December, let's be reminded of that. Let me pray. God, we thank you that we are reminded we have a good shepherd, not because of our circumstances, not because of how good we are and all that, but simply because of who you are. It's your character, being the good shepherd. And I pray that even today's sermon will help all of us to land on the spot that John wanted his text to land us at, which is that we can go on believing in this Jesus, in this Good Shepherd, regardless whatever we are going through. We can go on believing. And that by going on believing, we can go on having the life that He has in store for us, that abundant life, that perisauce kind of a life. This I pray for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.